You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Glad you're here this morning. Friends that are here with us and um, college students, it's hard to believe uh, another school year has, has come into a close, but we bless you guys this morning. So thankful for you being a part of our church and our community and and seeing God work in your life in Kyle is such a joy for this church. Um, we bless you. It's been a wild year, so I'm, I'm sure you're glad that the school year is coming to a close. And uh, for those walking next week, we just say congratulations. So proud of you. For those coming back, we're, we're excited for you to come back next fall. Um, I do encourage you, if you are leaving this summer, to track with us this summer online because God is speaking something, I believe, this summer that's going to set us up for the fall uh, which is our need for a move of God. Like stirring in our church a desperate, a desperation and a hunger for a move of God like we've never seen before. I believe the Lord wants to speak to our hearts this summer. And so he's just been unfolding all of these, uh, that, that theme from Old Testament through the New Testament to me in the last number of months. And we're gonna unpack that this summer. And so you can track with us online. Uh, every, everything from the Lord bringing back Israel back to the word of God, back to the law, if you remember that. Those, those moments of reformation that happened in the, in the Old Testament to the restoration of worship in Israel, to the restoration of the centrality of the presence of God, to the tearing down of idols. Um, there was that constant theme in every generation for a move of God, a need for, the, for, the move, for a move of the Holy Spirit in every generation. And it hasn't changed to this day. We need God to move in our midst, Amen. We need God to move in our city. And our city needs the church to be vibrantly alive with the truth of God burning in our hearts, the gospel being a living, relevant message that means something for our lives Monday through Saturday, not just Sundays. And so this summer, we're gonna go after it and it's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing. So um, that's just the nature of our community. Is it's a transient community, people coming and going. And with that, we, we embrace it. Um, this morning, we are going to look at Psalm 23. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 23, which I know is a familiar passage. We, we've been in this series called Life Together as we wrap up a year-long theme, unpacking the kingdom of God. But I felt like this morning, well, every Sunday, I yield to the Holy Spirit. Like We plan out over months, and even an entire school year, we plan out. But every week, I throw it before the Lord and say, God, have your way. If you want to move a different direction, we'll go there. And this Sunday was one of those Sundays where we're going to press pause on that, that series, Life Together, and we're going to look at Psalm 23. And so um, I know this is a familiar passage. Some of you may have already committed it to memory. Um, maybe your parents read it to you when you were a kid. Maybe you've read it more, more times than you can count. But I want to encourage you something. So I'm going to step off the stage because I want you to, to heed this. That the word of God is living and active. Yeah. It's living and active. It's not just a book like you can pick up off your, your bookshelf. It's living and active means it's relevant to your life. Every time you pick it up, it's living and active. Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes into the room and, and enlivens your heart to receive from him. And so there was a, there was a, 
issue that Israel oftentimes had is they were wandering in the wilderness where they would rely on yesterday's manna. They would, they would go out and collect more than they needed to and that, that manna would actually go rotten. <laughs> and I feel, feel like sometimes that happens with the word of God for people as they try to live off of yesterday's revelation, yesterday's understanding, yesterday's manna. And, f- and familiar passages can get the best of us sometimes because we can assume we already know, we've already received it, we've already understood it. But I want, I want you to put your heart in a posture this morning to receive from the Lord. Would you do that? Close your eyes in this place. Receive from the Lord. Lord, I'm asking for receptive hearts, childlike hearts, to be in this room this morning, to receive from you, to receive a revelation from you. As your Holy Spirit quickens our hearts, quickens our, our ears to hear, allows our eyes to see you more clearly. I pray that, Lord, we wouldn't rely on yesterday's understanding, yesterday's knowledge of your word, but instead it would be a new word. It'd be fresh bread for our souls that would feed us and allow us to see you more clearly in your mighty name, amen. Amen. So Psalm 23, my prayer this morning is that you would have an encounter with the shepherd king, King Jesus. If you've sensed that our church has become more singular focused in the last couple of years, that's, that's actually been intentional. I believe that the gospel is meant to be ref- refreshingly simple, where people step into into this place with very complicated lives, cluttered lives, and they step into this place and everything becomes clear because they just see Jesus. And the gospel is meant to be like that, so much so that Jesus says, you can only receive the kingdom of God unless you become like a child. It's the only way you can receive the kingdom of God is to become like a child. There should be this childlike, joyful simplicity to the message of Jesus Christ. And that is our aim is to keep it simple. Tear out the clutter and the distractions and turn people's focus to Jesus. He is the shepherd of this church, amen? He is the great shepherd. I see myself as an under-shepherd, pointing people towards the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. And the Lord has been moving in our church. People are getting saved, they're getting healed, they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. But I wanna set the record straight. We have one shepherd, his name is King Jesus. The reason God is moving and things are happening in our church is not because of any great leadership from anybody else other than King Jesus. He is leading this ship. And I commit to you today that I'm gonna point people towards him. That is my one aim. I want to urge you this morning to surrender your heart to the shepherd king, King Jesus. Surrender your heart. He wants your heart. He doesn't just want the allegiance of your mouth. He doesn't just want your attendance on a Sunday morning. He wants your heart. And the shepherd king this morning is, is gathering people to himself. You know, like the shepherd does. He, he gathers the flock. There's some, some straying. He gathers them. He's, that's what he's doing this morning. He's gathering hearts. Say, so I want you to trust me with your heart. Matters of the heart are matters of trust, where you actually pledge your devotion and where, where he's willing to lead you. Trust him that he, he's, he's a good father that is, is leading you in a good place. First Peter, Peter puts it like this, that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. That is the rescuer, King Jesus. 
coming to earth, setting the stage to rescue your hearts. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. So as an under-shepherd of the great shepherd, I want to share this message with you from Psalm 23. The calling on my life is to point people to Jesus. To live in such a way, to host the presence of God in this place in such a way that people just see Jesus. So that is the context of this message that was burning in my heart for this morning. But I also want to set the context for Psalm 23 for Israel's ears as that was the original context here. In Ezekiel chapter 34, there was this sense for Israel of expectation of a Messiah coming as a shepherd king. Ezekiel 34, the prophet Ezekiel said, I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. Isn't God good that he is so personal that he says he's gonna take up that role to be your shepherd? He's not gonna have these hirelings do it and and stay distant as a holy God could rightfully do. Instead, he's gonna come down with the people and he's gonna be the shepherd of your heart. I will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will, myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. So there was a grid, at least a little bit for Israel to understand this Messiah that was coming as one who was both shepherd and king. And obviously David wrote Psalm 23 and David was the the hero shepherd king. I mean, he was the one who God anointed from the obscurity of the, the pasture lands of Israel to say, I want you to be king over Israel. Moses was another shepherd leader as well. And so there was this brewing prophetic sense prophetically that this Messiah would be both mighty and meek that he would be both grace and truth, that he would be both holiness and love, that he would be both the lion and the lamb. In that same sort of um, interplay resides in this revelation of Jesus being the shepherd king. We need a victorious, strong king that rushes in and rescues us from the clutches of darkness and, and, and rescues us out of our mess But we also need a shepherd to tenderly draw us in, to walk with us, to lead us, to comfort us, to provide for us. Amen? So in the psalm just prior to Psalm 23 and Psalm 22 is a prophetic psalm about this king, the kingship of Jesus, the kingship of this coming Messiah. In verse 27 Psalm 22, verse 27, 28, David says, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. That's what we think of when we think of Jesus as king. This one who rules over the nations, right? In might, in strength, the the one to whom in some future age, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord, that he is king. 
That's the revelation of Jesus as king. But here, in the very next chapter, David, inspired by Holy Spirit, gets this revelation of Messiah coming as shepherd. So let's read this. I'm going to read it straight through, and then we'll, we'll break it down. And I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Just for those of you that have memorized, you've put this to memory, and, and you, there's going to be a few words that are maybe different than what you memorized. But um, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need, or I shall not want. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. The Lord is your shepherd. You have what you need. You shall not want. That's what the Lord is stepping into the room this morning and saying to you, that he is your shepherd. You have what you need in him. Maybe not in your house, maybe not in your job, you have what you need in him. He is more than enough. He is your shepherd that provides for you. When you're found in him, you have no need. We should think about this analogy of being a sheep. This is the, the theme of, that Israel was attuned to, and this is the theme that Jesus leans into in the Gospels as well, talking about the sheep. You know, you know the parable of the lost sheep? Him being the good shepherd. Well, a sheep, sheep don't hunt, right? Sheep, they graze kind of lazily, right? They eat what's right in front of them. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a... Um, an animal expert, so I wouldn't know, but I would assume that they would starve to death if they were just in some pretty uh, you know, place that didn't have a lot of food. They wouldn't go hunting endlessly, probably. The shepherd's job is to lead them towards good lands, towards green pastures, because they're not hunters. And we were not created to be these strivers. The shepherd's responsibility, the good shepherd, his responsibility is to, to lead you and lead his flock towards good pastures, towards a place of sustenance. Our role is then to yield to the shepherd's leading and eat what's right in front of us. So you can know every day when you wake up, the, the good shepherd is you yield to his leadership. He'll give you what you need right in front of you. He'll give it to you. We are the sheep and Jesus is the shepherd. So a, a pure and beautiful church is a church that understands that Jesus is the shepherd. They hear his voice and they're fully dependent on him. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11, that I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So he made it very clear to both Israel and to you today that he is this shepherd. He is this shepherd that David saw, the Holy Spirit revealed to David thousands of years ago. He is the good shepherd. And he'll demonstrate his goodness by laying down his life for you. This is a revelation that I've been needing. And that's why I'm sharing from this this morning. 
I was meeting with the Lord just this last week and it was like the good shepherd walked into the room and sat next to me and assured me of his leadership over my life. He's a way better leader than I am. He is the good shepherd that my heart longs for. And the more and more I yield to him, the, the more and more we'll see here in a moment, he leads me towards these paths of righteousness. It actually happened in first service that Joe mentioned that, that prophetic word that, that the Lord gifted us with. You know, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a gift. They're, they're a gift. They're freely given to us and we should come with receptive heart, childlike hearts ready to receive. But actually literally while that uh, person came up to me and, and wanted to share that word, asked if she could share that word, I was wrestling with the Lord. I was like, Lord, something just doesn't feel right in this place. Something just doesn't feel right. There, there was a struggle in, in my flesh and, and with my spirit. And I was giving it to the Lord. And I was yielding to him. I said, Lord, I want your leadership. I don't want mine. I don't want to find a way out of this. I want your leadership. And literally I opened my eyes and there this, this lady was standing next to me, Rebecca Klavnik, some of you guys know her. She was standing right next to me. She is such a peaceable spirit. It's like Holy Spirit himself. <laughs> hey, and uh, she shared this word. It was just such, such a timely word about this picture she saw about the flames of, of the fire of God resting on every head in this place. And that's what I'm talking about. He's a way better leader. I can't think my way out of, situ- out of pickles, out of situations. But when you yield yourself to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he comes to the rescue. The shepherd, come, he walks into the room and he leads you out. Verse two, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He leads you to a place of sustenance, of life-giving power, food for your soul. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the manna that sustains you every single day. That's who he is. And he, he leads you to this place of green pastures. And please take note that it says that he lets you lie down in green pastures. I haven't seen too many shepherds swatting their sheep on the butt, telling them they need to lie down. They're not like dogs, right? A shepherd leads them to the right place and they know what to do. And with a peaceable spirit, they have permission to lie down and rest in that place. And the Lord is telling you this morning as he's walked into the room, he's saying, you can lie down in green pastures. You can rest in his presence. He leads you beside quiet waters that honestly is not based on your circumstances, your outward circumstances. Isaiah chapter 35, the Lord says this, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. Despite what your circumstances are, they may be a wilderness, they may be very thirsty ground. And the Lord invades that place and brings life-giving food for your soul. He opens your eyes to recognize the green pastures right in front of you, the quiet waters that still your soul. And so your shepherd, King Jesus, always gives you an invitation. He's giving an invitation to the thirsty. He's saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Drink. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. That is quite the promise, amen? That is both an invitation and a promise. Come to me, those who are thirsty. If you drink of him, you'll never be thirsty again. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you parched for life-giving water? 
You feel like God has forgotten you. Well, he's walked into the room and he's pointing you towards his goodness. Are you in need of a touch from God that invades your life and your body? Well, he, prom- he promises you that when he meets you in that place of thirst, streams of living water will begin to flow from within you. So how do you drink of the water of the Lord, the life-giving water of the Lord? How do you take part in the green pastures that he leads you to? I believe it comes through worship. Worship is what aligns us with our eternal purpose and therefore God's purpose over your life. And worship is not confined to this amazing worship team and the songs and all the music. You can worship. And in fact, you were created to be a worshiper. Every single person in this place, this is your eternal destiny in God, is as a worshiper. You're satisfied in God and God alone. And when you take your eyes off yourself and you focus on him, what happens is he actually gives you the desires of your heart. As you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. That is worship. Worship is focusing on him, adoring him, loving him, delighting in him. That's when you drink of the water of the Lord and your heart is given life. Your soul is He breathes life into that place through worship. I know it sounds paradoxical. Your wheels are probably turning. I turn my attention off myself onto him and somehow I am given life. That is the way of the kingdom. It's through worship. And he gives you water, refreshing water for your soul. Verse three, he says, he renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. He is the shepherd, the good shepherd who restores and renews. That's what he does. He restores my life. And that's not just through the the initial experience of salvation of being born again. That's the first time of being restored. That's like the initiation of restoration. But then the life of any child of God is from glory to glory of continual renewal in my heart, continual restoration deeper and deeper in my heart and my soul. Him bringing us back to what we were created for. Him pointing us back to the image of God that we were intended to carry, which is ultimately all for his glory. So that's where he's bringing you. And that's why it says he's leading you along the right paths. He is the best shepherd of your soul. As Peter himself says, he is the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. That means he can be trusted with your mind, your will, your emotions. I said it earlier, he wants your heart. We trust from that place, our heart. And he leads us towards God's best. He leads, we follow. That's something you should probably tell yourself every single day. Lord, you're my leader. I'm just, I'm following you, right? We can quickly get confused and we think we're in the driver's seat. We think we're, we're leading this thing. We, we look in the mirror like, hey, we got a good thing going here. It's good to say, Lord, you're my leader. I'm following you. When we lead things, don't, things just don't go all that well. I can attest to that, all right? Some of you are like elbowing your neighbor, right? Yeah. No, I can, I can attest to that. Things don't go all that well when I try to lead. When he leads, things go right. He leads us towards paths of righteousness. Verse four, probably the most well-known verse in this psalm. Even when I go 
through the darkest valley, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I will fear no danger. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is a critical revelation for us today. This is a game changer. This is absolutely critical for your life. If you want to live the victorious Christian life, you have to understand this promise of his presence, this promising, or this promising assurance for us in the midst of the valley, this valley that has this shadow looming over it. It's called death. It looks hopeless. But the promise in that place, no matter what you're facing, is his presence. It's the promise of his presence. So he doesn't promise us that we will avoid the dark valley or the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death. Instead, he promises, promises us that his presence will be there with us in the midst of the darkness. He is with you. He is with you. You just close your eyes across this place. I believe you need a revelation of this in your heart, that he is with you no matter what you are facing. No matter what trial, temptation, doubt, fear, danger, or evil lurks, it's ugly face in your life. You can know that he is whispering this promise to you, that he is with you, that his rod and his staff, they come for you. Amen? You can open your eyes. Amen? You guys seem like you're like half awake here. Amen? Like he is with us. Like this is critical for us to understand his presence with us. What you need more than anything to make it through what you are facing is his presence. It's his present reality. And yes, he is present everywhere in the universe. That's what theologians call his omnipresent, his omnipresence. He's present everywhere. So when scripture talks about his presence, it means his, like our awareness of his dominant reality, that dominant reality, his present reality. The rule, the rule and reign of King Jesus in a certain situation or circumstance. So you're, you're facing darkness or evil or danger. What does the rule of King Jesus in regards to that situation or that circumstance, what does it mean for that? That's the presence of Jesus. Sometimes it's met with a feeling, a tangible feeling, goosebumps or whatever, or emotions. But that's not what it's about first and foremost, the presence of God. The presence of God, first and foremost, is about acknowledging truth in a certain situation. You realize, you are aware that he is real and he has not left you, he has not abandoned you. Even though you walk through the darkest valley, he is with you. My grandpa growing up, who's since passed, he had a hobby farm and he had a pasture with a few dozen acres uh, where he, he had sheep. And these sheep, I don't know what he did with the wool, but he had lots of sheep. And uh, they'd wander the pasture lands. And as kids, young kids, before he sold the farm, we played for days on end out in the, those pasture lands. We knew those pasture lands like the back of our hand. It had a cool creek. It had hills and, and forests and open expanses. Um, it was just beautiful for a, for a little kid, as you can imagine. And so we knew that place. We, we even had names for the different like part. We drew out maps. We, we knew this land so well. And there were a few times where we actually uh, 
decided, me and my cousins, my, my siblings and my cousins, we're going to camp out in the pastures with the, with the sheep. Um, in, the, in the background, we're going we're gonna to tent out there. And so that's what we do. And my dad, he loved to tell stories. And so he'd come out with us into the tent like a, good, like a good smart father. He didn't sleep in the tent with us, right? Fathers say amen. But he would stay out there long enough to tell us some stories. And, and he was a legendary storyteller for sure. But he would tuck us in, then he would go in the house and sleep in a comfortable bed. I remember more than once, vividly, the fear that would come, in, come over me in that place. Five, you know, I'm young, five or six years old. So I'm not like 16 years old. I'm like five or six years old. And all of a sudden, just the illogical just, uh, nature of fear itself would come over me. I do remember one of my cousins you know, playing a practical joke and sneaking up on us from the outside and scratching the tent. So maybe that scarred me. But... But I do remember that sense that, oh, I'm, I'm afraid. Even though I knew those pasture lands, even though we're in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, nothing is going to happen to us, still the irrationality of fear would come over me. The irrationality of looming evil or danger would come over me, overwhelm me. Sometimes I'd make it in the tent all night. Sometimes I'd book it to the house. So the difference between our lives and that scenario is your father never leaves you. There is something just so assuring about the presence of the father. So when my dad is out there, I don't have a thought about fear, danger, evil. It doesn't even come into my mind as a five or six year old. It's once he leaves, all of a sudden, these irrational thoughts, these illogical thoughts come and try to take over my mind. The difference is in this walk, following your shepherd king, Jesus, is he never leaves you. He's always there. He's always there. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with you. His presence, his present reality. So I would say that cultivating an awareness of God's presence is one of the most practical and life-giving ways to consistently grow in relationship with God. Every day of the week, you can be walking in life-giving relationship with God. Verse five says, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. This is where the Lord's provision and his ways of providing for you defy logic. I mean, think of this scenario. You are being assaulted by enemies. In the Lord, to provide for you, he prepares a table for you. He says, come, sit down and eat. When you're sitting down and eating, you're not on the defensive, right? You're letting your guard down. You're just, you're sitting down to replenish your soul, to, to put food in your belly. You're not on the defensive. But that's the ways of this shepherd king, Jesus, as he prepares a table for you to sit down and eat in the presence of your enemies. Sit down and enjoy him. Allow him to fight your battles for you. You don't have to be on the defensive, you sit down and rest with him, with King Jesus. It's like the picture that Jesus gave us of himself sitting at the table on the night of his arrest. Like he knew things were, the culmination of things was coming together and he was sitting there literally with his enemies, these ones who would abandon him and literally Judas who would betray him for money. And yet he's sitting there in the peace of the father at rest. He's actually... He paved the way for you and I to do the same in the presence of our enemies, to sit and be at rest, 
to know that he is enough. So I have found in my short life that the Lord prepares the table for me every single time. When I'm being assaulted by the enemy, the Lord prepares the table for me. And it's my choice as to whether or not I'm gonna join him. Will I sit down with him? Will I respond to that invitation to sit down and eat with him? Even when I'm being assaulted by the enemy, will I choose to rest and trust in him? He is always more than enough. He's abundantly generous towards us. He prepares a feast for us before our enemies. He graciously pours out his oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. He pours out the Holy Spirit upon your head. So much so that your cup overflows. He actually sustains you and fills you with the oil of his Holy Spirit, not just to get you through your battle, but so it overflows to sustain you afterwards to bless others. The streams of living water rise up out of you and spill out on those around you. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come forward because we're gonna respond to the Lord. Verse six says, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. That's where he's leading you. He's leading you to a place where you dwell in the presence of the Lord for all of eternity. We actually read that passage last week in Genesis chapter 17, verse one, where the Lord appeared to Abraham and he gave him this charge. He said, live in my presence and walk blameless. That's what he has created us for, is to live in his presence. And that's where the shepherd is leading us. He is your shepherd and he's leading you towards that eternal destiny of living in his presence. But I want you to catch what verse six says here. Because yes, he is your leader. He is the best leader of your life. And we were created to follow him. But he's also chasing you. You see that? Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me. He is both leading you and he's pursuing you, depending on what you need in the moment. Psalm 139 verse five says, you hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Or the New Living Translation says, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. So I have found in my life, depending on the day, Sometimes I need the leading, the strong leading of my shepherd king. And sometimes I need the chasing. I need to be pursued by his goodness and his faithfulness. I've allowed my heart or my mind to stray. And I need the tenderness of the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, to draw me back, to chase me down with his goodness and his faithfulness. Sometimes I need a revelation of his leadership. So I don't take things into my hands, my own hands, and I assume that I've gotten here on my own. And other times I need a revelation of his relentless love that chases me down. If you'd all stand in this place, we're gonna respond to the Lord. The Lord is leading us. Every time we gather, the Lord is leading us. My greatest aim is to, to lead you into an encounter with, with King Jesus. And that means I'm always asking the Lord, what do you want to speak to us this morning? I surrender my plans to you. I yield myself to you. Where do you want to go? And so I strongly felt in my heart 
that the shepherd king wanted to come into this room this morning and draw your heart to himself in a greater way, to be your shepherd, to be the one who leads you and chases you depending on what you need in this moment. If you all close your eyes in this place so we can respond to the Lord. We're gonna give God space to move this morning in our hearts, to move in this place. There are some in this place that need to surrender leadership of their life to their shepherd king. You fooled yourself to think that you can do it on your own, that you can steer this ship, that you can build your life by just your own grit and hard work. And the shepherd king this morning is tenderly revealing his better leadership over your life. There are others that need to encounter the shepherd king as provider, as sustainer, as his ever as your ever-present comfort in time of need. I want you to respond to the Lord this morning. Allow him to minister to your heart, to convince your heart that he is all you need. The Lord is your shepherd. You have what you need. He lets you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside quiet waters. He renews your life. He leads you along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when you go through the darkest valley, you fear no danger for he is with you. For his rod and his staff, they comfort you. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful, faithful love will pursue you all the days of your life. And, he, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as you live. We received that this morning. King Jesus, we thank you for revealing yourself to us, convincing our hearts, drawing those that are straying back into the fold for comforting hearts that need to be touched for giving life-giving food for those that are parched and thirsty and hungry. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.